You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. All right, good morning, church. How are you guys? Good to be with you this morning. Uh, If we have not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Sam. I get to serve as the lead pastor here among our elders, and we exist to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. And so one of the things that we do to that end, we gather every Sunday, and we open up our Bibles, and we're going on a little journey. So I'm going to invite you to open up your Bible to the book of Philippians. If you do not own a Bible, uh, we would love to gift you one. There are blue and white ones in the back. Grab that on your way out, write your name in it, and that is yours, okay? That is our gift to you. And if you're using those Bibles, we are on page 980 this morning as we continue on our journey. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to get started in verse 18. But as you turn there, I'm curious, and I would like to ask you this question. How do you typically respond to the big day? How do you typically respond for the big day? You know what I'm talking about. It's that day where you wake up and all of the countdown pages on your calendar are ripped off and there's no more. No more waiting. No more anticipation. The day has arrived. It is here. It is time, friends, to face the music. It's the big day. Woo! How do you respond to the big day? And so maybe today's the day where you are about to have the biggest interview of your professional career. You feel that right in here? It's a big day. Maybe today you wake up and you know that today is a huge exam. It's time for the SATs, the PSATs, the CATs, all of the ATs that you have to prepare for. How are you feeling about these exams? No, no, no. Today's the big day, the biggest day. You're getting married today. Bum, 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 bum. Here is the big day. How do you feel about the big day? You got a presentation at work. A lot of people are going to be there. The, the, the higher ups and the execs will be there. It's a big day. Man, you know what college you want to go to, and you've been tracking the letter in the mail on the USPC website, tracking information, prioritizing. And you know that today that letter is going to arrive in your mailbox. It's a big day. What will it say? Today's the day you know there's a huge conversation you have to have with your friend. And it's not an easy conversation. It's the kind of conversation that makes your hands a little bit sweaty and, and you get a little bit nervous and your blood pressure is through the roof. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a big day. How do you respond on the big day? I'll tell you in a moment of transparency here. I have what can be called these reoccurring dreams, <laughs> okay? This is, this is me. This is how I respond to the big day. In my dream, it's the same dream every time, I'm always sitting right there. doesn't matter what room. It doesn't matter what state. I'm always sitting right there to the left of the speaker, and this solemn-looking dude walks up to the pulpit in church, and he says, we're thrilled to have our guest speaker this morning named Sam Cassis, and that's the first moment I found out I was the guest speaker. Every time, and in my, it's like, it's like, and then I'm like wearing my underwear. That's like all I feel, and I'm trying to walk up to the front, and I'm trying to walk, but I can't move. And I'm trying to get closer to the pulpit, and I'm just, and it's like I'm on a treadmill, and then I'm running, and I can't move. Am I the only one? Yes, I am, okay. I'll tell you how else I respond to the big day. Without fail, if there is a big day, if there's a big moment, right, I set my alarm. Let's say 6 a.m., 
I set my alarm and I'm like, I'm going to be on time. And I wake up without fail at 2.15 in the middle of the night in a panic that I overslept, right? Am I the only one on that one? You wake up and you're like, ah! Gotta be kidding me. I still have like three hours left. And then you sit there and you just watch the clock. (laughs) And you don't fall asleep until 5.51. And then your alarm goes up at 6. How do you respond? How do you feel when it is time for the big day? The big day. Friends, we are going on a journey through the book of Philippians. And in reality, it's a letter, okay? It's a letter that was written to a group, to a community of people who followed Jesus in Greece. And we call them the Philippians because they were from Philippi. And so the author of our letter, as he writes today's passage, we find out that he is preparing for a big day. Bigger than your interview, even bigger than your wedding day, bigger than an exam, bigger than a presentation. Our friend is on trial in house arrest and he is awaiting a verdict that will determine the outcome of his life. It's a big day coming. We find out that the author named Paul, he's on house arrest. He is going through a very serious process that will result in a weighty verdict that will determine his fate. He has been carried across the ancient world and he is about to stand before Caesar, the ruler of the world. And his crime, what did he do to deserve this? He's been traveling around preaching this radical message about a guy named Jesus. And everywhere he goes, everywhere that message is communicated, we see that there's like a blast radius. And there's a a blast radius. And in the wake of that message, we see that lives are transformed. We see people no longer despairing. Now they have hope. We see lives changed in the blast radius of this message. But also in that wake, we see anger. We see defensiveness. We see people trying to kill him about for his message. And now he's awaiting a trial that very well may cost him his life. How's he feeling? You think he's tossing and turning in his sleep? You think he's feeling a little bit of the butterflies right about here? Do you think he is feeling the nervous energy of the big day? How will he respond in the moment where he stands up and he has to give a report and he's going to be judged by the very words of his own mouth? Friends, Paul is preparing for the big day. And just for the next few moments in our verses, we're going to see how he feels about it all. Because as Paul is considering his death, you and me are going to be challenged to consider our very lives. As Paul is considering and contemplating death, you and me are challenged to consider how are we spending our lives. And I believe that God wants to use this passage today for one reason, to get you to consider what is the point of your life? What is the primary aim? What is the chief end that you are living for that gives meaning to all the other little endeavors in your life? And as Paul faces the possibility of death, we see how he has decided to spend his life. His hope is clear. His expectation is set. And Paul is saying today, friends, may Christ be honored, come what may. May Christ be honored, come what may. 
And that's what we find as we dive in here. We're starting in the second half of verse 18. Look what it says. He says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The first thing we see from Paul's letter here is that to honor Christ is our deepest hope. To honor Christ is our deepest hope. And so here's Paul. He's waiting in house arrest. He's awaiting the trial. And we get a little window into how he's feeling. And we see that Paul is fairly optimistic. I mean, he's confident that this trial is going to turn out not for his death. It's going to result in his deliverance. Okay? So maybe, maybe a little bit of nerves, but we don't see that here. We see confidence, optimism. Guys, I don't think this is the end of my life. Okay? I mean, anything can happen, but I'm fairly certain that because of the prayers of God's people and because of the help of God's Spirit, I actually think that this trial will have a favorable outcome, okay? I think I'm going to see you again. I don't think this is the end. But even if I'm wrong, here's the point, friends. Even if he's wrong, even if this doesn't turn out for his deliverance, this is, this is his point. Deliverance is not his greatest hope. Being set free is not his utmost concern. Do you see what his most utmost concern is? What is it? What does he say? He said, it is my eager expectation and hope that Christ will be honored. The thing that's preoccupying his mind as he's awaiting trial, the thing that he's thinking about at night when he's tossing and turning, the thing that, he, that consumes him as he wakes up in the morning, he says, regardless of what happens to me, my eager expectation, the thing that I am longing for, the picture of my desired future, is that Christ would be honored. May he be honored. What does it mean to honor Christ? Well, I want to give you a hypothetical. I want you to imagine that you have a great-grandparent who lives off the coast of Italy in a mansion, and you didn't even know he existed until right now because he died. And he left you priceless art. I mean, Van Gogh's, Monet's, all of them, all of the famous artists, you know? And... And he, uh, and he leaves you art, right? And you, and you go and you get it verified and you realize that this art is matchless. I mean, it is priceless. You can't put a price tag on it. And, and the strokes are authentic. And it is just like, it is a beautiful piece of work. And you take it home. Where are you hanging that painting? Where are you going to put that priceless piece of art? Well, you know, you're not going to put it in the back room, in the closet, right? You're going to go and you're going to put it in a prominent place in the house. You're going to put it in a spot that will get the most recognition, that will get the most attention, so that when people walk in, it's bam, there it is. You're going to go to Lowe's and you're going to get, you know, you're going to trade out those little light switches. No, 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 no. You're getting the dimmer switch. And you're going to get the little positional lighting and you're going to put it in, and I know how to do this, by the way. If you need help, call your boy. I can, I can install a dimmer switch like it's nobody's business, all right? It's my side hustle. You can't afford me. And so you're going to put it in the house in such a way that spotlights, that highlights the beauty and the majesty of this piece of painting. 
you know that this painting is so inherently beautiful and worthy of attention that you want to see it. Get the constant attention, the constant jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring thing that it deserves. And so you place it in a prominent place. You lift it up. You honor that painting. And so Paul is saying here, his hope is that in the moment when he faces the music, in the moment where he stands at the top of the Roman Empire before the rulers of the world, his hope is that he will respond, not ashamed, with full courage, with not an ounce of timidity, without an ounce of reluctance. He wants to respond with full courage so that he can take advantage of this opportunity to showcase, to magnify, to highlight, and to lift up not the beauty of a painting, but the beauty of Jesus. May people watching see how truly good and satisfying Jesus is because of my life. Friends, let me ask you, what are you honoring with your life? When people come to your home, when people spend time with you in a conversation, when people sit down to coffee with you or share a meal or just have a conversation, what is it that they leave with their eyes on? What are you drawing attention to with your life? Are we lifting up our success to the place of honor? Wow, look at their success. Are we lifting up our personalities so that people can see how good we are and how cool we are? Are we giving the prominent position of our life our intellect? Because we like it when people marvel and see, wow, look how smart that person is. Are we lifting up our gifts and our abilities and our skills? We want people to leave going, wow, what a gifted individual. There are so many things that we can draw people's attention to. And we're all doing it. We're all honoring something. Every single one of us has something that when another individual leaves, their eyes are left looking at that. And Paul has made up his mind. Paul has decided, he has said, regardless of what happens to me, to honor Christ is my deepest hope. For people to leave my presence going, wow, how beautiful is Jesus. And he says, I want this to happen whether by life or by death. May Christ be honored Come what may. If I die, may I have faced death in such a way that highlights the certainty and the beauty of Jesus. If I die, may I do it in such a way that the world can't help but gawk as they go, wow, he loves Jesus more than life itself. Jesus must be that good. He alone satisfies. If I die, may Christ be honored, come what may. But if I live, may I carry myself in a way that shines a spotlight on who Jesus is. May I be a person that people in my sphere of influence, they see him for who he really is. As always, this is not just at death. This is not just, hey, I'm getting my last will and testament together. Let me make sure people know where I stand. No, every day of my life and as I approach my death, as always, may people see that Jesus is the point of my life. May Christ be honored, come what may. Bring it on, come what may. And so here we go and we see Paul is approaching potentially his death. And yet, self-preservation is not utmost on his mind. 
Self-preservation is not what's keeping him up. He's not concerned with how do I extend my days? How do I, how do I avoid danger here? We see that self-preservation has taken a back seat, and his utmost concern is Christ's magnification. May people see him for who he really is. May Christ be honored, come what may. Come what may. And so we listen to this, right? And we hear him talk, and we're like, really? Like, for real? You're not more concerned about death here. Come on, Paul. Like, really, what? Why, why are, it's, it's as if Paul is sitting there, right? And he's sitting across the table from death, and he's not even blinking. Just cold. Poker Paul. Don't try to play Paul, poker with Paul. I mean, just right there. He's staring at death in the eyes. Not a bead of sweat on his forehead. And we're looking at him like, you're not scared even a little bit? And we see that he's not blinking because he's holding in his hands cards that cannot lose. And in the very next verse, he looks at death in his eyes, and he slams down his cards. Let's see what cards he was holding. Look what he says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Friends, he's committed to honoring Christ no matter the cost because at the end of the day, life and death is a win-win for those who follow Jesus. Life, death, it's a win-win for those who follow Jesus. And so he's talking about his death very different than me and you do in 2022, right? We don't like the topic of death, so we've come up with a bunch of euphemisms and metaphors. We don't die, we just kick the can. We pass on. We go take a swim at the fishies, right? We have all of these colloquialisms to talk about death because it's so uncomfortable that we don't really want to look death in the eyes. And here's Paul staring it down, very matter-of-factly, not even a little bit scared of death. And it's because his chief aim in life, his purpose to honor Christ, it doesn't matter one way or the other whether he lives or Christ, or whether he lives or dies, Christ will be honored. He's getting his Shakespeare on here, right? To be or not to be. He says, if I live, on the one hand, if I live, will Christ be honored? Come what may, to live is Christ. I'm going to live my life in a way where every breath is used to honor Christ. The overarching purpose of my life, if I'm alive, will be to continue to honor him. I will continue to be obsessed with spreading the fame and the message of Jesus Christ. Man, if, I, if I'm going to live, that simply means more fruitful labor for me. I'm going to continue to enjoy the joy of traveling all across the world, spreading the message of Jesus. To be or not to be. If I die, on the other hand, Christ be honored. Come what may. He goes, if I die, check it out here, right? This is crazy. If I die, it's actually gain. So here's living. If I die, it's actually slightly an upgrade. That will actually improve my situation here on earth because, friends, if I die, then it's no longer faith. It's no longer just trusting in something I can't see. My faith will become sight. On that day, he says, I will actually be with Christ face to face. Man, if I die, there's no more need to hope because hope will now become fulfilled. 
If I die, there will be no more longing to be with him. My longing will be satisfied. He says it here. It is far better to die. It is far better. He says, in the moment, in the moment between my last breath on earth and my first breath in eternity, in that moment, I will have gained more than I've ever gained in my whole life. Because death is not the end. So so may Christ be honored, come what may. So he's torn here, right? It's kind of funny to just hear him speak so matter-of-factly. We don't talk about death like this, let alone directly to death in his face. And he's just torn. He's like, I don't know. What shall I choose? I'm torn between the two. Because at the end of the day, life and death, it's a win-win. At the end of the day, I'm going to fulfill the goal of my life. I will experience success because the way I've defined it is that Christ be honored. You see, friends, when honoring Christ is your life, you can't lose in death. When honoring Christ is your life, you can't lose in death. And so what's the point of your life? What are you pursuing? And then ask yourself, what happens to those pursuits when you die? Is death the end for your pursuit? And so you think about it. You pursue success, right? And this is an awesome game. You're climbing the ladder. You're achieving. You're checking things off. Upgrade, upgrade, promotion, boom, boom. You're climbing the ladder. But when you die, it's game over. All of the pieces go back in the box. You can't take success to the grave. Well, popularity and fame, man, if I can live a life where people know who I am, then my legacy will be immortality, right? And people will know me and my name will live forever. How many of you can name your great-grandparents, all of them, and your family? So much for legacy, huh? All of the pursuits in our life, friends, all of them, except for one, end at death. So what are you living for? What's the point of your life? All of these pursuits end in death, but honoring Jesus, not only is it the only win-win, it's actually what you were created to do. You were created to, uh, to glorify God, to enjoy him forever. And the way that you honor him, the primary way that we lift Jesus up, it's not through our words, it's not through our actions, it's not by attending church on a Sunday morning. The primary way that you are lifting Jesus up to the prominence place is by enjoying him. When you find yourself satisfied in Jesus, when you stop pursuing all the other pursuits and you say, Jesus is better, In that moment, God is most glorified as you are most satisfied because you're telling the world, this is what I was created for and nothing can compete. It's a win-win, friends. Love God. Enjoy him forever. This will satisfy our soul in this life and it will continue to do so in eternity because we believe that just as Jesus came and he died and he rose again, so too all of us who are in Christ When we die, we will rise again with him. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians 15. When the perishable puts on the imperishable. When you go home, look in the mirror and touch your imperishable, okay? Touch Touch the perishable, rather, okay? This is perishable. The mortal puts on immortality. Look in the mirror, touch the mortal. You're mortal, okay? 
Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Friends, when you are in Jesus, the sting, the permanence of death is removed and death is now no longer a dead end. It's just a doorway into eternal life with Christ. What's the point of your life? What are you living for? There's only one that's a win-win, friends. May Christ be honored, come what may. And so we have Paul here, and he's torn, right? If it were up to him, we already know what he would choose. He's like, ah, that's better, okay? If it was up to Paul, he would choose to depart. He would choose to be done with the grind. I want to be with my Savior face to face. But it's not up to him. It's not up to you. We all have a role to play in God's sovereignty. God has us here on earth. He determines the length of our days, and he has a role for us to play in his family. And so as Paul is considering life or death, life or death, we see that he also takes into consideration the work that God has for him to do. He's not done yet. There is still some fruitful labor that he needs to do in this life. And in the last few verses, he shows us what that is. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul knows he's not done. Paul knows he's going to see the Philippians again. He knows he's going to walk into that church gathering one day because he knows that the presence of God's leaders results in the progress of God's people. You see, he has a sense of calling here. He has a sense of being, and he knows that he's going to honor Christ in his life by being a leader among the Philippians. So he knows, I'm not going to depart. I'm confident I will remain because I know that God's work is unfinished in the Philippians. I know that he has not, he's not complete with them yet. He is not done. And so therefore, God will send me back to them so that I can contribute to their progress and joy in the faith. He knows that God wants to use him to facilitate, to be a catalyst for progressive growth and deepening joy. Man, thank you, God, for people like Paul, huh? You see, friends, here at East Point, our mission statement, the reason for being that drives us is to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. We want to grow in faith. We are not content with just having an audience of attenders and kind, polite people. We want to have a family that is marked by transformation and growth and discipleship. So if you're here, our vision for you is very clear. We don't want you to be the same a year from now. And we don't think you will be. You will be different a year from now because God is doing this work here at East Point to grow in faith. But what Paul reminds us of today is that growing in faith doesn't happen in a vacuum. Growing in faith is not the solo endeavor and self-initiative of individuals. The presence of God's leaders results in the progress of God's people. And so, appreciate your leaders. Your community group leaders. Have you said thank you to your community group leaders? Your mentors? 
Who are the people, who are the people who, who you can call at any moment and they've taught you how to live for Jesus and they're discipling you? Who are the men and the women who have served as spiritual parents to you? Don't take them for granted. Don't take them for granted. Part of their reason for being, right? Perhaps one of the very reasons why they're still alive, fruitfully laboring, is you. So Paul says, if you were to ask any mature Christian, like literally after this, you feel free to poll the audience in the lobby. Ask any veteran in the faith, anybody who has a little bit of experience under their belt, and say, would you rather be here or with Jesus? Hands down, to depart is far better. They would all tell you that. But do you know why they're still here? Because not only has their self-preservation taken a backseat to Christ's magnification, their own well-being has taken a backseat to your sanctification. There are people in your life who are here and they're living with such a sense of purpose because they want to see you grow. They want to see you progress in the faith. They want to see you look more and more like Jesus, which is how you were created to live. It's a very practical challenge for you this week. How can you say thank you? How can you go and say thank you to your leaders? Think about it and do it, okay? Do it. Because his ministry is going to result in their growth, but his return is going to result in joy. And so I want you to imagine, right, you've only been corresponding with Paul through letters. And I want you to imagine one Sunday morning, Paul busts through those doors. How do you think they are going to react in Philippi? Good morning, Brother Paul. See you're not executed today. Good on you. Still alive. Oh, Paul, that's great. They are going to lose their minds. They are going to be rejoicing, right? They are going to be basking in God's goodness. They are going to be, look what he says here, they are going to have ample cause to glory in Jesus. Literally, they are going to be overflowing in their boast. This homecoming, this reunion is going to give them so much reason. They're going to pump their fist. They are going to rejoice. They are going to relish in how good Jesus is. His return will result in their joy, and they will rejoice and praise God and celebrate his faithfulness. They will bask in the goodness of God, and together they will sing and say and live out the fact, may Christ be honored, come what may. May Christ be honored, come what may. And so, friend, I ask you one more time, what's the point of your life? What are you living for? What is the chief end, the thrust that everything in your life is moving toward? You say, that is why I exist. Win, lose, draw, go home, die, doesn't matter. That's what I want to accomplish. And I'm telling you, the only win-win, the only pursuit that is worthwhile, the only pursuit that you were literally created for is to honor him. It's to enjoy God, to love him and to love people in such a way that people go, wow, that's right. That is good, and I want to do the same with my life. So church, may we say together, may Christ be honored, come what may. Come what may. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have created us. You are a God that can be known, and you have made us to know you, God.
to enjoy you, to be satisfied in you, to live in harmony and peace with you as our maker and we as your creation. And Father, I pray that starting here in this room, that people's priorities would change, that the pursuits of their life would begin to take shape, that you, God, by your spirit, would continue to mold and, and, and sand us down and build us up and make us like Jesus who says, I live to do the will of my Father in heaven. Give us boldness, give us courage, and most importantly, give us perspective to understand the true nature of reality, that we may honor you with all of our days, come what may. We praise you, Lord. We honor you, Father. We glorify you as supremely great because you are. And we pray this in the beautiful name of your son, Jesus. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.